0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Soapy Rao Show. It's an interesting, um, it's always an interesting time in the world, but it's a crazy time in the world right now because, of course, if you're aware of what's going on, it's um, chaos again. And I think it's getting more and more obvious, but it's strange that no one's able to see through this repetitive story. That is playing out every month it's a new one it's a new one it's a new one it's more outrage it's more murder it's more turmoil and uh, america seems to be more and more involved and uh, yelling louder what what is going on why are you doing this why are you doing this that's the way they speak why doing this but um i don't know man it's you know the strange thing in my life is that uh, now suddenly like we my sister came home to bangalore from singapore for two years and it was really nice to have her home and uh, now she's gone back to singapore taking my folks along with her they've traveled with her so it's kind of like now my wife and i and my lovely dog and we it's a really quiet house and um just trying to keep it chill and quiet and you know it is a scary place i'm not saying being at home but i understand now why so many people in the world aren't able or don't want to shut out the noise, because there is a lot of opportunity for more noise. There's a lot of scope to be attracted to noise. When I say noise, it could be in any form, it could be entertainment, it could be social media, it could be global affairs, it could be polarizing news, it could be anything you want to find, there is something being served up for you. And it's a good place to be if you don't want to sort of have the silence to spend your Spend time with your thoughts, look within, and understand who the fuck you are. Because that is a scary place if you haven't really been there too often. It is a lonely place. It can be intimidating. It can be a little surprising. It could be a little overwhelming. And it's not readily accessible like the other things that are available with the click of a button or with the, you know swipe of a screen so I don't blame people that to get drowned out in other people's noise is a lot more tempting than to stand out in your silence Ah, so what do you do what does one do I don't know I don't have the answers I don't have the answers but I do have um, my approach to it which is you know what you got to find your space of just doing what you want to do and once you do that, start doing things for yourself. I'm not saying do things only for your gain, like selfishly. But start doing things, taking up things which mean something to you. Uh, it doesn't have to be profound, but it can be something as simple as doing something which you enjoy. It's just one step in the right... I won't say the right or wrong. It's one step in the direction which finds a sense of balance which can help you deal with whatever's thrown your way. Because as someone told me, there are only so many inputs which you receive through your mind and your body and your senses. The biggest difference is perception, how one perceives it differently from the other, which leads to a more balanced way of living, a more tumultuous way of living, a more anxious, depressed way of living, or a more extreme way of living could be extreme happiness, extreme sorrow. But I'm just trying to find that sense where, yes, there are guaranteed days which are going to be coming my way some good some bad some very good some very bad but that's also how i perceive it like i can take the good days with with a bad approach or i can take the bad days with a good approach so i don't know I it's it's interesting just to play it out because that's all we can do is kind of experience this life with the vessel of our mind and body and that seems to be quite simple in its saying, but quite um, difficult in its execution. And um, yeah, I think there are people who go uh, beyond what is expected of just living and try to make change. And I salute those people. And uh, I've got one such person on today's show. He's a remarkable gentleman from uh, Lusaka in Zambia. I I knew it. And uh, he has done... Um, a TED talk on how religion is responsible for poverty in Africa. He's written a book which um, is available on Amazon. The link to that is in the description. His name is Reverend Walter Mumbazi and he's on today's show. We have a lovely chat about his mission in life to change the narrative around how religion has propagated narratives and belief systems which are negative to human growth and potential, how he's trying to use his idea of Christianity, which in his opinion is not religion, to spread a message of empowerment to the people of Africa. And that lesson, I think, can be applied to even any country which has experienced some form of colonial rule or some form of religious dogma that has been used to control the masses uh, by a more powerful um, ruling class whether it's a political ruling class or a religious ruling class or whether it's a um, monarchy which has controlled it so man this guy is fantastic i met him over this call we have had a long chat and he's his 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 need and his his purpose is so obvious and he's just truly a pleasure it was truly really a pleasure speaking with him and i really hope that um you give it a listen read his book listen to his ted talk uh, because we need more people like him in this world so i'll say no more because he says a lot of sense makes a lot of sense he says a lot of good stuff for you to listen to and that's coming up on the other side so thank you for listening as always. I appreciate you tuning to the Soapy Rouse show. And do tell someone who you think will like this. So thank you and goodbye. God bless. Cheers and catch you on the other side, my friend. Reverend Walter Mumbazi, welcome to The Soapy Rao Show and thank you so much sir, for joining me.
1: Sandeep, I'm honoured and I'm grateful for this opportunity. Looking forward to, I got a chance to listen to a few of your podcasts and your thoughts and I was like, Uh, You know, apart from the expletives here and there, but very, very insightful stuff. I mean, really good stuff. I'm looking forward to this.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I'll try to keep the introduction to this episode uh, (laughs) expletive-free just so that uh, that any of your uh, followers and listeners don't get uh, scandalized. But um, it it means a lot that you agree to do this, uh, Reverend, because, you know, I uh, really, really like the idea of someone who. You know, you you, you know the, the the talk of yours where you spoke about the five uh, things that religion has done. Um, I really really enjoyed watching that, but I think more importantly, I, I wanted to get you on so I can, in in a in a way, get educated about the things that you do. And someone in your position who does believe that religion has a sense of power, and you are admittedly yourself a born again and a, a person who's come back to religion and to have that perspective, to take a step out and say, hey, wait a second, not all of it is good because it's being used in the wrong way. I wanted to get that point in the way you look at life and look at religion, the thing that you believe has given you strength. But at the same time, I also wanted someone to give me a sense and give my listeners a sense because we, very sadly, sometimes hear about Africa as a collective. And little do we know that Africa is a continent which is so vast, diverse, with so many countries with such a rich history. And we kind of just make that all into, oh, Africa, which is such a wrong thing, in my opinion. So I wanted you to give your perspective, your story. So thanks for joining me. And I think just to start with, if you could just tell my listeners about what your work involves as a reverend and how you, in the 21st century, approach uh, helping people through the um, through guidance and through religion and through your church
1: yeah so first and foremost uh, lots of people will be shocked to learn this that I'm at I'm at a place now where I don't even run the church anymore
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, but that's not because I've rejected the church but that's because uh-huh. of the unique call that's upon my life the mission that's upon my life mm-hmm. that mission and that call has drifted me away from the traditional four walls of the church and taken me into what we are calling the marketplace. So the marketplace is out there. And right. out there is not confined to the four walls of the church. So in uh, in the Bible, there's a term that is used to describe my kind of work. We're called, it's, it's, it's an apostolic calling. So apostle means a sent one. So yeah. they were sent out. Jesus sent out his, his apostles to go do their thing. So essentially, missionaries are apostles. Of course, that terminology has been appropriated by a sector of the church and mystified which is very sad because really if we just drop off all the mysticism an apostle is basically a sent person so as long as you belong somewhere and then you're sent specifically to go do work elsewhere which is not your local domain then you're an apostle so Ah, i'm an apostle to the marketplace so Mm -hmm. this is what happened to me and essentially since then i don't run a church so i was ordained. Uh, before that, interestingly, many don't know this, but before that, I was actually into hip hop and music, so mm-hmm. very deeply musical. Oh and wow! Then, uh, okay, I
0: want to hear uh, I that. <laughs> I want to hear about big that. Time, yeah. I
1: mean, uh, we we pioneered the 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 rap art form in this country back mm-hmm. in 1993, 91, two, ninety one, nine. So that is so Zambia. Just for
0: my listeners, you're from Zambia. For you, you live in, the in soccer, Zambia, right? Yeah, you're speaking from there Correct. right now. So. Oh, okay, Correct. so no, I want to get to you into your, the space of your work in, in the, with the church and now, as a result, the traveling um, apostle from, from uh, representing the work of the church in, in the marketplace. But, okay, can you mm. just give, um, sorry for interrupting that flow of thought, but I just want to give people who haven't, because I haven't been to... Any country in Africa. I haven't been to Zambia specifically, but uh, what is it right now in Lusaka for you, uh, your contemporaries? And you said from '93 in the hip hop space. Just to paint, I know it's a very vast um, and broad question, but if you can, in a few words, give me a sense of what it is like, because we have this very wrong sense of what Africa is. But can you give me a sense of the reality on, on on ground right now as we speak?
1: Correct. Very, very good. It's a hodgepodge of a metropolitan mix. Uh And I think that really, really nails it. Because remember that uh, a lot of our our influence as a country, especially for the people, comes Mm -hmm. from what they see on TV. And so, of course, the West is heavily influential in this country so whether it's america whether it's uh, europe specifically england i mean uk because of our colonial background that's mm-hmm. heavily entrenched here i mean here we are we speak english as our official language i mean that's yeah. not what we are right?
2: But yeah. we speak
1: it and then beyond <laughs> that you have also the um the religious overtone so if you look at the type of Uh, denominations we have over here. You have your traditional denominations like the Roman Catholic Church, very, very large. Then you have your Anglican and a few other traditional churches. And of course, you know that uh, post-95, the Pentecostal Charismatic Movement gained a lot of ground. And I'm sure it's the same in parts of India as well. Very, very massive ground. And so we have a lot of Pentecostal churches that grew from the 90s coming right into the 2000s. And then somewhere along that came what I'm coming to term pseudo-Pentecostalism, which Mm -hmm. is where they kind of break away from the traditional Pentecostal and go in very interesting directions that I may not really want to get into right right now. But let's just say they are very different. And so all Mm -hmm. this, and by the way, the largest influence of that is without doubt Nigeria. So we have a lot of offshoots of Nigerian churches here in Zambia. And now when you mix this all up nicely, you get a real interesting (laughs) hodgepodge of of, of very interesting, you know, events and characteristics in terms of the tone of what the church is. But Zambia is a proclaimed or declared Christian nation, but not Christian in the way a Muslim nation is, you know, because when Muslims say, like you know, like Pakistan, you will have aspects of Sharia. If you, if you go right. to Saudi Arabia, aspects of no. It, so that's not the same here. It's a declaration, so it's not like it's 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 imposed Christianity in a secular state. No, the state okay. is still secular, just that there's this declaration about being Christian. So obviously, since ninety percent of the country are Christian, so yeah. there's all that religious you know religious uh, thing around the whole Christian thing. But that's but sort of like I America, really right? Even America is a bit like the, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. in fact. Absolutely. Yes, there's this professed Christianity, but as an individual that is a born-again Christian, I can tell you with certainty that it's 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 an act. It's 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 typical, it's typical of you know, Muslims, typical of Hindus, whatever. You you find there's a lot of people who just kind of wear that thing and walk around with it, but in reality, they're not living what that particular truth is they it, right. it, they've not had a personal revelation about it it's it's more cultural it's more you know geographical it's it's anything but revelational so, that's so what we it's have anything to latch on in, to in sort
0: of country. as your identity as opposed to a real learning or a spiritual experience it's more of something hey by Thank the way you. i'm christian or by absolutely. the way i'm hindu absolutely right
1: oh you know what i mean yeah 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 exactly Oh, I'm a Christian. Uh, da, 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 I come from this area. Blah, blah. So, so it's not like there's really any revelation to that. So it's, it's not like these people would die for it. No, mm. they will not die for it. It's, it's hey, hey, I just you know my mom took me there, so I, I don't follow. So, mm. so, so, so there's no real conviction to this, and that's essentially what forms most of what I see here. But um, the sad part, though, is that even for those that now come to a revelation, and I'll stick to Christianity now, yeah. even for those that come to a revelation they still are confined to a heavily religious, cultural, you know, uh, so let's put it this way, religious, cultural environment. And Mm. so it's still a situation where many who come to the knowledge of Christ are still kind of holding to a pattern that is within their setup. And unfortunately, there's a lot of junk in there which has been pushed over the decades, in fact, let me be bold and say over the centuries by people with an agenda. And, and and unfortunately, that's still playing very strongly. Hence why I wrote my book. Hence why I spoke the way I spoke. And that was extremely provocative. I've gotten a lot of <laughs> lash. I can imagine. Talk
0: I can imagine.
1: Because now I've done my book. Now then, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. But you know what? You know pioneering and awakening of the people has never been a a crowded uh, journey. It's very lonely because you're literally going against the establishment in a way. You're you're, you're saying, hey, guys over here, you know, and like, oh, why, why, you know, what, so, so some say I'm a hate monger, which is really sad because I'm not. <laughs> I think from but what you're saying, you it's the
0: opposite of what you're trying. I mean, mm. you're doing the opposite, right? You're trying to bring people together, but it doesn't suit yes. the narrative which has been spread to people. And therefore, it rubs against the grain and they need someone to be the scapegoat. And it clearly seems like you are the one who is <laughs> being used for that. Yeah. But can I ask yes, you yes. something which might mm. not be a simple answer, but I really want to know before we get to the entire Um, I would say corruption, but a certain manipulation of religious uh, ideology to control people, which you speak about in your talk. And I think in your book, I haven't read your book, but I hope to get a copy of an audio version. But do you think in modern day or ever was there an opportunity um, for religion uh, or rather was religion ever capable of being... um, a framework or a set of guidelines or was the intention of religion ever to be giving you a chance to experience spiritual- spirituality?
1: That's a really deep question, eh? I, in all honesty and Sandeep, I've really studied this, eh? And I'm mm-hmm. not saying I'm done with my studies because we're always, we're ever learning, right? We're ever learning. It's never till ending, yeah. the day yeah. we depart this earth, we're yeah. ever learning. It's never ending, correct. But the the bit I've done so far, I must Say, I must say, no. Okay. <laughs> it has <is> always been.
0: <laughs> I didn't expect about that
1: control. I, I tell you, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you really built me up for reason. that one, Reverend Walter. I was like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna deliver the spiel now, and you're like, no. I was like, what? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> you know why? Because I mean, I I take this thing as far back. I mean, and I've done so much reading on this. I mean. Let's go as far back as Acadia and Sumeria and mm-hmm. ancient Egypt, and it's the same in Babylon. It's the same story. It's a, it's elites and it's commoners, and, and 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 there's this thing where the elites paint themselves. I mean, whether genuinely or falsely, that's a, a discussion for another day. But they paint themselves as being closer to deity or oh god the right
0: anointed today. ones right yeah
1: correct correct and then these are the servants mm. and this narrative is very powerful because at a psychological level it allows for subservience mm. i mean napoleon really nailed it when he said thank god for religion otherwise the 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 the, the poor would murder the rich yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. he's I, I mean, i'm not mis- quoting him but essentially that's what he said
0: he said no i think that's an exact reason why india is where india is yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and, i mean this you see this everywhere it doesn't matter where you go i mean whether you go to japan the emperor is 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 divine you know uh it doesn't matter you wherever and and the one that people really argue with me over and i really stick to my point is even atheism And you know, atheists, I mean, I respect agnostics more than atheists, sorry to say. And the reason is because because atheists actually don't realize that theirs is just as much a religion. It's just man-centered, that's all. Mm -hmm. They they just throw God out, and and then it's men. And then somewhere down the line, you realize that there's still an elite. and and Because they will cheat you that, no, everybody's equal, you know, socialism, oh... Yeah, but that's all BS. You know that because basically, yeah. somewhere down the line, you, you've got the um, leader, usually supreme. <laughs> but you got the leader, yeah. and, and they live like a king, right? Yeah. But then, no, no, it's a people's choice. And, uh, yeah, but people's choice in, in vetted commas because the moment you try to challenge that, they just send you to the gulag. Sorry to say that, but you know, but essentially, you disappear. So you find. It doesn't really make any difference it's right back to the same thing it's elitism and subservience and what amazes me for example in christianity if you really study the teachings of jesus like mm-hmm. really like just strip it of all the 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 the, the aura and the fear and, the, and, and and the religion just just get all that junk out and just leave the core teaching of what jesus taught you realize he taught a social gospel he he was a man that was so concerned about the, the, the affairs and welfare of the ordinary people. Mm. And that's what it was all about. The kingdom of God is here to liberate people from all these shackles. And bondages, but typically of humans. As soon as Jesus exits the scene, and and you know the apostles try their best, but somewhere down the line, you know, they start bringing in all the elitism and, and all the mystery and all. And before you know it, it's it's right back to where it was. You know, it's back so, to an elite class of, of yeah. priests, and and then they they work very closely with the with the rulership, and then and so back to normal again. And then, and, and and I mean, check, I mean, look, I don't know how it is in India, but check every monarch across the world doesn't matter where even here in africa mm-hmm. there's a priest there's yeah. a priest that endorses the monarch
0: i mean i belong to that group of people called the brahmins that- right that's what our job was to interpret the thing but i think oh, there was yes, a deeper yes, a, a yes, deeper yes. past to that yeah. where there was some sense of the vedic knowledge but it then became corrupted as you said because it sounds like what from what your um the texts say that jesus was actually a social worker helping for the betterment of a larger group of people who didn't have. But then that was taken out of context. And I think the biggest thing which I'm taking away from what you've said over the past few minutes is people are just trying to manipulate text for their own benefit. And the moment ego comes in, that's exactly where everything's being ruined, right? From every religion, which I sort of know a little bit about. Absolutely. It's ego determining Absolutely. how, hey, you know, humility, that's a very important thing. Let all of us be humble together. But no, no, at, at, not, at the, not at the cost of my ego being bruised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, look, sorry to bring this up. I mean, but let's let's talk, for example, our our, our friends, uh, the Muslims. I'll mm-hmm. use that as an example. And here we're speaking purely in context of religion, right? We're not yeah. going into the nitty gritties. We don't want to offend people. But Absolutely. let's talk about the Muslims. You know, why would some leader send these, first of all, get these really unfortunate young men and women, yeah. indoctrinate them for two years, like literally, for lack of a better word, brainwash them yeah. with a particular narrative. And then when done, wrap them up in bombs and send them to go blow themselves up in the to the glory of, you know, the deity upstairs. But the very person doing that doesn't even do it, doesn't even go out there and do that. So they send other people, you know, yeah. and and the, the elitism still goes on. It still goes on. It's a false narrative designed to, to, to bind people to what serves the leaders, not the people. And I'll say something that, uh, again, I've been, you know, shocked for. Yeah. The difference between a genuine pastor, as far as I'm concerned, a genuine pastor and a false one, is that a genuine pastor helps an individual discover who they are so that they can go fulfill their mission as an individual. But them, pastor, which is where a lot of, yes, empower them to bring out whatever it is that God put in them, you know, whenever he created them. Because everybody is born with a purpose. That I believe with all my heart. Absolutely. It doesn't matter I, what I second the circumstances that are. there is a mission there's a yeah. mission that you have on this earth but what do what do manipulative leaders and, and pastors and, and people of religious standing do they turn your mission around to theirs yeah so I always say that religion is a tool for empire building so yeah. these people are not building individuals to go and fulfill whatever their God given mission is. No, they are building individuals to serve them to fulfill their mission. So it's not even, even to do with God. But they're very clever. They just put their mission next to God and say, "This is God's mission." And you know, they always say, "This is God's work." You know, this is God's work. But who's who's at the top of that food chain? Who's who's gaining everything? And 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 what expense is it to the people that are following? Are these people following really fulfilling their call? And I'm not denying that there are some who are called to follow others. That I admit, because we know we've been in in the world long enough to know that there are those that are called to serve others. That I admit. And there's nothing, in fact, when you think think about it, we're all called to serve somebody. I agree. I agree. But the selfishness is in the fact that it's never about you know, this greater cause. And that's why, for me, Animal Farm just nails it. I mean, George Orwell is a modern prophet, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> because, I mean, when he wrote that book, I mean, gosh, the parallels are striking. I mean, every yeah. society, you can literally, you know, Squealer, you know, <laughs> Napoleon, every character, you know, you know Box to the Horse, you can tie them all up to parallels within a given society and you mm. see them completely clearly whether it's at national level international mm. level you can see those parallels play out and it's very tragic i must say
0: you know from what you just said right it uh yeah we've had these five four five six religions if you want to go into sub religions as well for thousands of years and the the lies and the perpetuating of certain beliefs i understand but from what you just said right even like when i think to the things happening today with the groups, right, saying fighting for their rights. Like, say, for instance, we have more topics now and I want to, say, bring up things like the LGBTQ or the transgender movement or the gay rights movement, whatever the thing. But even those things, they, they, what, what I feel really sad about is it's marginal, uh, it's, it's bringing down an entire human being into one label, but be it whether it's 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 feminists yeah. or whether it's, it's gay activists, gay rights activists. And, I feel many of these people who are spearheading these movements are like a religion themselves. They're not trying to empower individuals to let them go out there and become the best version of themselves, but they're trying to make them all align to this idea that, oh, it has to be Black Lives Matter. I'm like, okay, Black Lives Matter is a great idea that you empower black people, but I feel the way it's going is that it's empowering the few people who lead that movement. Would you say that's something that you observe or am I completely off point with that?
1: No, 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 you're very correct. In fact, for me, yeah. so now the challenge that we face with um groups like black lives matter uh-huh. is because we have individuals sorry to say this it's very painful to admit but we have individuals that have usurped a cause that was very good uh, mm. but they usurped it and then used it for their own agenda in you know one of the most shocking things, and I, I speak this as a Christian and, you know, it's not going to be politically correct, but hey, I speak as a Christian, so I'm not going to yeah. go around corners. The whole LGBTQ agenda for me is completely off mark because uh, scripturally, you know, that whole lifestyle isn't permissible, but it's pushed so much. And now what has gotten sad is exactly what happened with the elitist 600 years ago. They find a really good movement like Black Lives Matter, which, to be honest, is an extension of the civil rights movement in America, which mm-hmm. have been fighting for the rights of black people since God knows when, which to yeah. this day haven't even been sorted out yet. And I can which I
0: find amazing, above. right? Yeah. You know what I mean huh? leader of the free world, so-called powerful country in the world, and they still have such a bias where they believe that there's a certain group that is inferior to another group. And I'm not saying color-wise, I'm saying class-wise, I'm saying economics-wise. I mean, this has nothing to do with whether it's the Latin population, the black population, Mm -hmm. the Asian population. Mm -hmm. It's the mindset Mm -hmm. that if you have money... You are more powerful, and you have the right to dominate someone else. Dignity to life Correct. means you have a certain amount of money. If you stop earning money, you have no respect. Like just the way the uh, system of healthcare is, right? If you're old, you're no Absolutely. longer valuable. And I find that Correct. more insulting than just color. Like in, in, I'm, I'm not an American. I, I I live in India, and we have a set of our own problems. But I say when we look oh. up to America as a leader of this world, I'm like I. We have messed up by looking up to these people, right? <laughs> or to this country or the values it represents.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you see, going, going back to my point, so what happened, Black Lives Matter is dealing with a real issue, real issue. Yeah. I mean, there is all kinds of appetite going on in America. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, in my book, I really are it. I really prove the issues that our brother's over there are facing as African-American. They're going through crap, right? And then, you know, these people come and they usurp a really good cause because we're dealing with Black people, the issues of absent fathers, whatever, the marginalization, da-da-da-da-da. And then you bring, you know, gay pride and, and, you know, gay rights. I'm like, really? Why would you bring that into this? Why don't you stand in your own platform and do your own thing? So unfortunately, these are some of the challenges. And then, you know, the process that they use is something in uh, cognitive studies we call jamming. Very clever, smart strategy, which is used where you take a cause and superimpose it on something else. And, And in the same breath, you take a position, for example, as a Christian. America has a very big challenge. You have what they call the evangelicals. But the problem with the evangelicals is they're predominantly white, okay? Mm -hmm. And then predominantly from the southern part of America. Specifically, they call it the Bible Belt. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then they are very conservative on many issues, including, you know, homosexual rights. Mm -hmm. Now, you take that group and then you use old imagery of how they, you know, Where about Black people back in the day when they were doing Jim Crow, and then you take Nazism in Europe, which was also terrible in its time, and then you juxtapose that all together so that in the minds of those hearings, subliminally, they begin to connect this uh, traditional position of Christian conservatism with that messed up background of of of, of Jim Crow and segregation, supremacy. and mm-hmm. then if you, for good measure, you throw in Nazism as well. You know the neo Nazis yeah. and the white skinheads and whatever. You the know, white the, supremacists, the yeah. White supremacist groups. You know what I mean? That's uh, that's extremely unfair. Extremely mm-hmm. unfair. So in the end, in the minds of a young uh, millennial, in fact, we're well, not even millennials anymore. Centennial. In the yeah. minds of a centennial, they, they equate traditional Christian values with prejudice and white supremacy. You see? Mm. And then, to, to, for good measure, throw in a skinhead and the KKK. <laughs> mm. And then you kill you kill the whole thing. So even if somebody is Christian like me, I look out of place. Yeah, And, and, and on this account, uh, Sandeep, let me go into another area, which is very, very touchy for me, very, very touchy. Yeah you know I speak a lot about African uh, renaissance I call it the second African renaissance unless you ask me I, I won't go into explaining what the second renaissance is but if you ask I know African- I'd
0: like to know a little bit because I want to understand now uh, sorry yeah with the Zambian situation the second mm-hmm. renaissance uh, what what do the local people right mm-hmm. now feel like is there a sort of return to I want to discover what it means to be Zambian, or is it more? I want to adopt the way the Western world or the Western media portrays us. So, is there this sort of like dilemma, Is this is conflict? What what is what is the present situation for yes, the youth it's a, it's in a, it's Zambia? A, it's a,
1: let me let me tell you something. Yeah. Now I'll tell you something. I am actually alone, not alone. That would be very un- unfair to say. I'm not alone in this fight, but I am fighting a, a very new fight that a lot of Young people don't even understand yet, so it's a very lonely journey because I am, I am challenging traditional positions of Christianity. Mm. I am saying, why is Jesus portrayed as a white man? He never was. Mm. Okay, why are all the apostles portrayed as white people? They never were.
2: Yeah,
1: why do we carry? Names that are British and they are called Christian names. That yeah. is just messed up. Yeah. There's nothing Christian about Charles or the name I carry right now, Walter. That, that, that's not Christian. That's just yeah. British. Yeah. If if I was if I was colonized by French, I'd be Carlos or yeah. sorry, Carlos is Portuguese. I would Portuguese. be whatever Charles is in uh, in, in in French. <laughs> yeah, James or whatever. So so, yeah. so so these names and this whole culture has been a mish a match. Sorry of. Culture of the British with Christianity, and that's really where the problem is. And right now, as I speak to you, I am still a very small voice. In other words, okay, maybe maybe now my influence is making me grow, but I am I, I am there are not many in taking my position because it's seen as very antagonistic. It's like I'm going against the establishment of Christianity. I'm talking about subjects that are not nice, and and you know one of the things I'll actually tell you. I, um, you know, Christianity, Jesus himself taught to love your enemy. Jesus taught yeah. to do good to them. I mean, the whole Mahatma Gandhi, you know, thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. comes from the non-violence position that Jesus taught, right?
0: Turn the other but cheek, yeah. here's yeah. the
1: challenge. Yes, yes. But here's the challenge. When an entire race of people have been marginalized and oppressed mentally, first and foremost for 400 years using religion as the major tool of oppression. Mm. How does a man like me, who is a born-again, spiritual, tongue-speaking, Jesus-loving man, how do I come and separate the message of Jesus from the mess of religion? And mm. I use those words on purpose, right? Yes, <laughs> the yes, message yes, no, sounds... of Jesus from yeah. the mess <laughs> yeah. of religion. That's difficult, Sandeep, because for, for the for the for most of these people, because they are programmed, it sounds like you are challenging religion. You're like, no, I am not. Oh, sorry, you're challenging Christianity, the true yeah. Christianity. But the problem is their version of true Christianity is religious.
0: So you're challenging the lies that it's become
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And it's very difficult, Andy, because we have a deep, traditional, religious, Christian background. So yeah. so when you start saying the picture of Jesus is an idol, they look at you strange. OK, when you say Jesus was never a white man, they're like, why should race matter? And I always retort with why did they paint him white? Then, if it didn't, they yeah. should have started from the word go and made sure Jesus was black. They should have painted mm. a black Jesus. They did a white Jesus because they understood subliminal programming. It's it's yeah. very smart. You know? it's and great you advertising. You do that over and over. Absolutely. You do it over and over for generations, and that's what people come to regard as Jesus. Now, if the oppressor is white, done. <laughs> it's, 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 so, sorry to use this example, Sandeep. It's like you, as Indians, you come to Africa, and then you preach the gospel, and your Jesus is Indian, and and all the apostles are Indian, and and, and the whole thing is Indian, and you give us Indian names, and and, and, Mm -hmm. and then we embrace this Indian culture. But then you do that at the expense of our African identity. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't want to to, to rant much on this, but for me, this is all about identity. There are two things that I passionately speak about when it comes to this whole injustice. The first Mm -hmm. is what I call the misidentity. Mm. of of, of Africans, and the second is the miseducation Mm. and when i study our education system and then i study the efforts for the misidentity it is deliberate it's not it was not accidental Uh, let's begin with identity two things form identity sandeep one is your name that's why names are so important i could do a whole lecture on names just on names alone but but I, I don't want to bore people. But your name is that powerful. Yeah. That's why when people got saved and became Christians or baptized, they changed their names. If names were not important, why did they change their names? Why yeah. give them a name of a different culture? You see? And if people think this is this is a joke, let's use a totally different example. I'll use Nation of Islam in America, and I'll use two historical figures. I'll use mm-hmm. Malcolm X, and I'll use Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Malcolm X was Malcolm Little. He had an encounter with the nation and he changed his name to X to signify Mm. the unknown component of his slavery background. And that changed Mm. him into a different man.
2: Right. Cassius
1: Clay was the original name of Muhammad Ali. And when he became a nation of Islam, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad changed his name to Muhammad Ali. And he made a very big deal about it because even when you went on interviews, if you're a student of history, you watch his early interviews. He kept insisting nobody should call him by his slave name. He does not want his slave name. His name is Muhammad Ali. So names are very critical. Going yeah. to every culture, the naming of a child is a significant process. Mm-hmm. If you if you If you become a born-again Christian or whatever and you decide to change your name, that's a serious issue. It it, it, it carries a lot of significance. So your name is your first identity. And your second identity, Sandeep, which is very deep, is your culture. It's your environment and background. Mm. And that culture is where you draw who you become. It's such a powerful thing. And that, again, is another issue where we see such a big problem. Because I say misidentity, because Mm. when the missionaries came to Africa, they ensured that they used a strategy that messed with the identity of Africans. And and this is not something I'm making up. There is something that was called the Voyage, uh, what was it called, the Doctrine of Discovery. You can actually Google that up. Even Mm -hmm. the listeners can actually Google it up and find out it's real. Uh, They called it the the Doctrine of Discovery. And one of the things was that you must get conversions from the natives wherever you go. Either they convert to Christianity or you slaughter them. And it was so bad that they say that you are even absolved. Can you imagine that, Sandeep? Like, you're going to go and kill everybody in a particular area, and the the preacher, the pastor, the leader sending you says, you are absolved of everything you're going to do. Like, God has already forgiven you even before you go do it. Can you imagine that? Uh,
0: Is is this like the Crusades? I mean, it's it's no better than suicide bombers, right?
1: Yes, no different. And then, actually, let me tell you, the Crusades, as bad as they were, the voyage of discovery for me, the doctrine of discovery was just another one because okay. that one gave, literally put guns and weapons mm-hmm. in the hands of mercenaries because these were not soldiers sent by Spain or, mm-hmm. or France or England. These were mercenaries these are like soldiers for hire yeah and then for good measure they'll add a preacher in there they'll put a preacher Mm -hmm. so the job of the preacher you go in there you know convert the guys and then they'll sit and wait by the by the by the by the coast i mean that's where the whole idea of the conquistadors come from you go study the whole history of south uh, america yeah absolutely exactly that that's what wiped out the mayans that's what wiped out the incas and all these Traditional, I mean, in, in America, my God, let's not even begin talking about the Native Americans yeah. in Canada, what they did to them in the name of what I'm telling you. It's the, 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 the doctrine yeah. of discovery. So these are historical injustices. So that's misidentity, right? And then miseducation. So yeah. what do they do? They then teach you a history that's theirs. They teach you everything that's theirs. They they completely tell you drop and abandon. You know the thing about you guys in the in Asia. And, and I mean that very respectfully, Sandeep. Eh? Yeah. Uh, I'm chatting with you. So I know you're even doing your best not to swear here. So so, so yeah. this is like really, really... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but no, no, the this thing is so valuable for people Asia... to hear. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Huh? So the thing about you guys in Asia is that you at least had a way of preserving your writings and your tradition through, you know, script. Mm-hmm. Now, with Africa, people think Africa had no way of doing that? We did. But see, basically, and again, this is where now I start venturing into what some accuse me of being conspiracy, but I do not think it's conspiracy. I've done enough studies on this. I believe it's real. What happened in Africa is when the Doctrine of Discovery was created, there was another agenda. We they, For lack of a better word, I'm going to call it an agenda to explain expunge and that's the word Mm -hmm. to expunge uh, uh, indigenous black african influence in history okay Mm. at the time i have my theories as to why that's so but that's beyond the scope of this podcast Mm. but they did that so one of the things in the expunging was to deliberately remove people from history and you know this thing sounds like something that's like science fiction Go and Mm. check the history of Russia. Go especially and study Stalin and Mm. what was going on in Stalin. When when people fell out of favor with Stalin, he literally ordered their expunging. Like people would go and literally airbrush people out of official portraits. You know what used to Mm. happen? uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Like literally airbrush people, remove like have books reissued, take out the name of that one, take out the name of that one. Rewrite the whole story and then teach that to the next generation. So you find that 15, 20 years down the line, people have forgotten that what certain individuals did like Tolstoy, you know, you know, Mm. Tolstoy was murdered in in, in Havana or wherever it was. But this was a guy that was part of the revolution, the Bolshevik revolution of of, of 1917 with Lenin and what have you. But then Tolstoy was an idealist. And he went completely against the Stalinist movement. So he had to be taken out. So, so you know the story. They had a lot of guys murdered, Tolstoy ran away. He tried to write his stuff, but they went and followed him and finished him off wherever he was. And then right. they literally airbrushed him out of history. So, so right. essentially, this miseducation I speak about is what exactly happened to African people and their truth and their history. And I can not go into details, but if you want a second podcast, we can go down that path. Absolutely. But you will be shocked how much was changed You know, and essentially, what do they do today? They teach that Africans were running around in birthday skins, birthday suits, sorry, with absolutely no knowledge of writing, no knowledge of this. They were completely blank and they were dumb and they were in the Iron Age. And so we brought civilization. So, you know, the three C's are civilization, uh, uh, Christianity and commerce. So they brought that and they rescued the dark continent from itself. Total the savages, rubbish. as they call that, it, right? Some nonsense you know, savages, words like that. Yes, total yeah. rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Because there is enough proof to show that Africa was not that way. But unfortunately, that's the history. So this miseducation goes on today. So Africans, as I speak to you, even in my country, actually believe that white people rescued Africans from bar- bar- barbarism and from, wow. you know, whatever, whatever. You that's know, we, still we the mindset rescued. today? Oh, Yes. Absolutely. I deal with it every day, you know? So, so the, and, and what you say, well, you know, the thing is, people are very funny. They think just because they go on social media and can, you know, watch TikTok, sorry, make TikTok videos, watch TikTok and Snapchat and, and Facebook and Twitter and whatever, they think that that's the reality for the majority. No, it's a, it's a very small number. The majority, yeah. I'm talking 85% of people are on the other spectrum. They have no idea. Yeah, you know they 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 are still holding on to these memes and imagery and pictures and and mm-hmm. miseducation and misidentity that was pushed down their throats by our colonizers and that's what I fight and that's what makes me sound like I'm hating on Caucasians. No, I'm not. My yeah. the man who ordained me was a, was a Scottish uh, man. I, I love. Everybody. Jesus taught love your enemies, love people, do good. So I believe in that ideal. But how do you wake up a sleeping brother? (laughs) You know, that's always what I say. If a house is burning, how do you wake up somebody sleeping? Do you go, excuse me, there's a fire in your house? Or do you go, hey, wake up, there's a fire.
0: (laughs) But, you know, I want to ask you, you know, this this thing, of course, many people might say, hey, this is from the past. And you said the message is caught up in the mess. So it's not clear people, there's too much noise for people to hear the truth. But do you think there's a new kind of it going on? Like the message, it's not obviously, from what you're telling me, it seems like, okay, this isn't just something which has happened in the past and it's just stuck on. But is it, do you think, being re, not in the same way, not through conventional colonialism, but is there a new mechanism which is being used to continue the messaging that people are believing, like that they aren't good enough? Uh, is it coming in some other way? Is it there, maybe is capitalism playing a role or is Western influence like saying you have to wear these kind of clothes, consumerism? Are these things reasserting or reaffirming the same belief systems that people had?
1: Mm. Yes, absolutely, my brother. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I agree with you, Sundup. You see, we live in an era where entertainment has taken center stage Mm
2: -hmm.
1: of everything entertainment i mean if you think about it all this time that people waste on social media all these hours what are they essentially doing i mean the coliseum has moved you know the gladiator coliseums have moved from the coliseum to our gadgets (laughs) so so, so that's what we're doing now you know we're just watching entertainment mindless entertainment and the saddest part is that the majority the crowd is hooked, hooked, nail, and sinker to this entertainment because they have been all along. I mean, if you look at the history of of Rome, how did they manage to keep crowds from, you know, waking up to the reality of what was going on? They did that because they brought entertainment. Whenever they notice that the crowd is going mad, people are getting upset over the quality of life, and they want to revolt. They say, introduce games. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> so now when you introduce the games, everybody yeah. gets caught up in those games, and they are following what's going on there, and then gossip, mindless gossip and chatter.
0: Yeah, increase the noise when people want to think clearly.
1: Thank you. So nobody's thinking clearly. So you find yeah. that these conscious messages are drowned. And, yeah. you know, one of the most interesting phenomenons I've seen in recent history, this mm-hmm. for me, I find absolutely mind-boggling. You know, a number of years ago, um, social media began to create what were truth speakers.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know
1: what I'm talking about. These, yeah. these, these channels and individuals that would come and they'll start to tell you, hey, guys, wake up. This is what's going on don't yeah. be don't buy the bait this is what's going on eh, da, 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 da. now what did the establishments do they are very clever first they labeled them conspiracy theorists
2: yeah
1: and that's a very ugly word nowadays i mean they call you a conspiracy theorist oops you won't like it yeah and then on top of that what did they then do what did, algorithms they just drown them out yeah. they call it shadow banning yeah so they just shadow ban them you yeah. will not find these channels unless you look for them. And if you're bad enough, they just blacklist you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you think you, you think. You'd think the president of the United States has ultimate power. No, they banned him too. I'm not saying <laughs> I support Trump. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that's how powerful these guys are. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because <laughs> a guy like Trump wakes up and says fake news. You know, just and you know, just he's going against the agenda. Although yeah. I've got my own theory as to why he did that, but we won't go into it now. Yeah. But but he was so going against the grain. Yeah. And 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 they had to Make him an example so ban his Twitter account, ban this, ban that. And so they show if we can ban the Twitter's, the president of America's Twitter account, who is Sandeep? If you say something that goes against the establishment and you're going against what we say you should say, we will silence you. And so we're in an era now, uh, Sandeep, where they have everybody hooked. You know, these these phones and uh, these gadgets have got everybody doped up. You know, it's so all dopamine feed, yeah. You know, it's just basically, that's the new shot of today. That's the new high. Yeah, it's the absolutely. phones. And what do they do? They give you what you, they, they want you to follow. So it's literally mm. 1984. It's literally an Orwellian kind of uh, uh, dystopia. We, we yeah. are seeing that happen. And so what happens for voices like mine, it's a tough call, brother. You mm. really have work to get people yeah. To wake up and listen to what's really going
0: on, and you know it's such a it's such a valid point because if you want to make um, anyone listen up now, you need to just shout louder than the person next to you because of the noise. But <laughs> and the thing is, you know, it's what you said is so true because unless, of course, you're someone who's so um, you know, unless, of course, your your messaging or your medium or whatever you're trying to say through the medium you choose has to either it has to agree with a certain thing or split people down the middle or the only other way you're going to get heard on the internet is if you're just it's mindless nonsense just like oh yeah look at this person like uh, they can replicate dance moves like that's the only other way but the the the, i think there's a lot of sensible information in the quiet area in the gray area which is not being picked up by the internet and i'm looking for that and that's why i reached out to you and this podcast is aiming to do that is the people who are not caught up in the yes. noise But they're trying to do something Either by mm. qui- by subtly spreading the message Or subtly having conversations Or mm-hmm. people on the other end Are just like, hey, wait a second There is a better way to live And a better way to think Don't be caught up in this narrative Which is forced down your throat And your parents' throats And your grandparents' throats And the larger collective yep. Which believes that there's a certain way That's not the truth And I'm, I mean, I know it's uphill uh, It's an uphill challenge But I'm glad that it's people like you exist It's a massive
1: challenge indeed. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I mean, my little experience so far has been, um, uh, I have tried to be so so careful, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because you're building this thing, and you're like, oh my god, what do I? Should? So, for example, I mean, uh, you might have, have to edit this, but for example, COVID. <laughs> <You
0: Yeah. know? laughs> no, I'm not I taking mean, out anything uh, except that earlier bit you asked me to. Everything else stays in. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, that one. Right. Yeah, that one. Right. That one's a bit too much. But yeah. but I mean that that for me doesn't make sense, I'm telling you, Sandeep. So I'm, I'm not being a conspiracy theorist here, but we've had AIDS, we've had, you know, what's the other disease that's been killing everybody? Cancer, yeah. you know, we have, we have had all these diseases that have been ravaging people for decades. Nothing to this day, there's no vaccine. Just meds which perpetuate your life, like you're forever dependent on these drugs. That's what they have. And then this thing just shows up from nowhere. And then in three years, uh in three years, maybe one year, whatever yeah. that period was, they have all these vaccines and, and now it's mandatory and everybody must take it. And and you remember the tennis players that was trying to be funny in Australia. Yeah. Look got at the crap you. and the heat he got. Yeah. Look at the heat he got. You see, that's how that's how these guys work. If you go back to the book. not 1984, you go back to Animal Farm, every time, uh, I forgot his name, there was a character that represents Tolstoy. Every time he tried to speak, the the sheep would just shout louder. (laughs) The sheep would shout so loud that he'd be drowned out. You see, he wouldn't be heard what he's trying to say. Hey, guys, the laws have changed. Nobody's seen this because all the sheep are just screaming, supreme leader, live forever. Two feet good, two feet bad, four feet good, blah, blah. You know, that would make so, much, that would bleed so loudly that you don't right. hear what that person's saying. And for me, that is so social media because there are topics today, you just drop one. I mean, I've had to pull posts down because wow. you, you say, oh my God, I don't need this. I don't need this kind of negative publicity right now. Yeah. But the funny thing is we live in a generation where a guy like Kevin Hart, can be made not to host the Oscars mm. because he made fun of homosexuals, I don't know, 15 years ago? Yeah. We have people, and I'm not excusing them, but we have people who are being arrested right now and locked up for crimes from high school. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't be locked up. I'm saying it's so interesting if we had to really be fair and yeah. began to look at all these people and what they have done, how many would stand up to even claim any kind of, you know, nobility? None. Mm-hmm. But it's about selective. It's, it's it's the moment you start being anti-establishment. Yeah. They will get for you. They will come for you. I mean, so if, that's the, really if that's the measurement,
0: we all have, we all will be punished because we all have wronged. Yeah, now, the extent could absolutely. be from uh, a homosexual joke to. It mm-hmm. could be something more severe, like physically assaulting a man or a woman or a child, which, Correct. of course, the severity, Correct. the punishment must change. But mm-hmm. you don't see everyone being punished. The punishment, of course, is differs, as I said. But everyone should go through a punishment, a, a, a form of, OK, you have done some kind of wrong, whether it's cheated someone, whether it's spoken badly mm-hmm. about someone behind their back. Every human being is mm-hmm. done wrong. That's our nature of um, by by virtue of being human. We are vulnerable to making mistakes but as you said it's the, the it, it's when it suits them right it's not everyone being punished but it's certain people when it suits a certain group being punished for a certain kind of act which i find i mean uh, look yeah
1: let, let, let's go let's let's go on something very relevant but very touchy right now very yeah. very touchy and you know this it's this 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 war we are about to go through with russia and ukraine yeah i mean I am not good. I am the first person to admit that I don't have a lot of admiration for Vladimir Putin yeah. or Russia. Yeah, I mean, I could give you a whole list of things that I don't think they did right or yeah. do right even yeah. now. Yeah, but the hypocrisy <laughs> of of branding him a tyrant of evil. Yeah you know on account of what's going on in ukraine which you and i both know is as a result of the nato border moving closer to home these russians are saying hey we told you guys back in 91, in 96, whatever years they were signing all those accords, we said, come on, these countries do not move your borders beyond this point, because this is part of us. You cannot come this close and be close to Russia. We're not yeah. going to accept it. And then and then you say, no, no, it doesn't matter. And Then they move. Oh, people must decide their own right. They move. And then now you want to bring your bombs right next to Russia, and then they're going to sit there and just watch you and say, yeah, yeah progressive. This world has never had that because we know. Yeah,
0: the sound of the actual teeth is saying, "Hey, hey, no, 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 no! Enough of your lies!" Because we saw what happened in Afghanistan. Uh, they ruined that country yes. for twenty years yeah. and then just said, "Oh, wait a second, totally. we don't need you anymore. We're out of here." But finally, when someone and I says, just leave. "Yeah, just leave," and how and leave how, right? When no, you're destroyed no, those you people's lives.
1: Leave. And for me, for me, I wept when I yeah. watched. You know, the videos of people trying to run. Because, I mean, you're you're there, Sandeep. You know what it's like. You've got this occupying army. You have all this group of people that become associated with that, you know, occupying army. And then one day, those people just leave, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think will happen to all these pure, poor human beings that were living, operating, and, you know, following the the dictates and uh, whatever systems and processes that were put by those people they will be called traitors yeah. essentially what we've been seeing in afghanistan is retribution it's like uh uh-huh. mm-hmm. now the americans have gone you are in trouble my friend we're coming for you we know your house house number six on road whatever you were the translator we're co- you know and that's based- and then you just leave people like that. how wrong how wrong can that be you know and, and it's so so unfair but i mean that's the
0: story everywhere yeah and then coming up on tv saying oh no you know the, the the aggressors and using words i'm like come on dude like enough of the lies right like i mean how many times will this will this story replay with different with different i mean the, the main puppeteers are the same but the characters the yeah. protagonist the antagonist keeps yeah. yeah how many times do we go yeah. through the same nonsense when and and finally, when someone's like, oh, no, 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 piss off. I'm not taking it down. I'm not taking it sitting down. Then oh, everyone's like, oh, the aggressors, the nuclear thing. I'm like, no, I think I, let's see how this pans out. Because I think, um, I, I don't know um, if he's all sane and he's all noble. I think, of course, he's done his wrongs, as you said, Vladimir Putin. But this is finally, I think this is a this is a war of truth versus lies. And it's not as simple as just one country versus the other, you oh, yeah.
1: know? No, no, it's, it's very deep. There's so much going on there. And, and that's what makes me sad because I, I, was, I was conscious enough when I watched General, what was his name? The black American guy, General Powell. I Colin was there. Powell, yeah. I was a kid in my, yes, I was in my 20, I think 21 or 20 or something. I was a young guy. Because mm-hmm. that war was, I think, ninety-one or ninety-three. I can't remember. You're talking but
0: about uh, the, he, the first Gulf War, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the first Gulf War yeah, was that ninety-one. 91 eh? Yeah. When when Saddam was yeah oh yeah because yeah, Kaunda was still mm-hmm. ruling yeah true so nineteen ninety ninety-one, you know, that man went before the UN and did a whole pitch. We all watched it. It's there on the internet. Thank God for the internet. You can watch his pitch as he did the whole thing about trucks which convert into weapons manufacturing thingies. And he did the whole thing, schematics. They had all the, the CG effects. You know, you know how these guys are with their whole thing, and this is how it turns, and that's why they are mobile. They are moving all over. We can't see them, you know. They are moving. So we have to go in there and we have to slash
0: them out. Yeah. No, but I think you're talking about uh, the second Iraq war, the 2003 war. No, one.
1: that was the first. No, no, no. Because they no, did the same was, thing again in
0: 2003, right?
1: No, was that. Just, no, when was Saddam killed? Yeah, because you know what they did in the first one? Yeah, I think that was the no, second one. The first one, one is right. when yeah, Saddam
0: invaded first one Kuwait. Was a, he, yeah. Kuwait, which was a yeah.
1: So they yeah. took him out of Kuwait and it ended. Yeah, yeah. you're talking about the second one when
0: they went back issue. in again yes, the to Iraq. second one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So one was Desert Storm, the other one was Desert Shield. So the first one was Desert Shield. They yeah. were just protecting Kuwait. But yeah. the second one was Desert Storm. They were coming in to storm, you know, what's his name out of there. So yeah. that, that whole thing was fake. They even hanged Saddam. I'm not saying Saddam was a great guy. Saddam was a horrible guy. But the point is there was stability in that area. And where's that country today? You know the story with our man, Muammar Gaddafi. I'm not saying Gaddafi was a saint, but his country was the most socially advanced country in africa even more than south africa there were no essentially there were no poor people in in libya because the country had very powerful social services taking care of virtually everybody
0: and my point is yes there are bad people to the message now yeah the the bad people i i I get it there there are bad players of course Mm. you know there are bad people in Africa the leaders who are bad there are bad people in Asia who are leaders my point is who are you to sit there as a moral high ground as the so-called superpower in the world saying no no I don't like his version of bad I don't like that version of bad I mean who because you are as bad my friend by the drone strikes you're creating all this unrest the 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 murder of innocence when you take away a leader in the name of democracy and I mean, my point is, yes, bad is yeah. bad. Bad is not subjective. There are bad acts, which, of course, their severity increases or decreases. But who is one person sitting there and promoting this thing, saying our religion is better, our version of governance is better, our version of uh, capitalism is better, our version of society is better? and precisely it's clearly not All better right. because you are not taking care of people you're saying my healthcare system is better because private people who have more money can get better healthcare. i mean who are you to sit there saying africa's worse mm. off i'm going to mm. change it right it's bullshit
1: and yeah. unfortunately so we sit in an era uh sandeep we sit in a generation where this is the norm now so you can imagine the challenge we face
2: today
1: yeah. in for example, my message to try and awaken my African brothers and mm-hmm. sisters. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough, but I do it every day. I do my best under 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 the circumstances to really push uh, this idea that hopefully somewhere down the line, by God's grace, we will see an awakening. And this awakening isn't to hate on Caucasians. This isn't to hate on anybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. My, my aim is, guys, you've been asleep too long. You cannot have a country, sorry, a continent where... Virtually the entire world's resources are coming from there. But you equally have the poorest people on the planet. 18, right now, the last year, the last uh, statistics on Africa, 18 out of 20 of the poorest nations in the world are in Africa. I mean, that's, that's just beyond terrible. And, and of course, yes, a good number of them, they have wars and whatever. But the question is, why even wars? What are those wars for? I mean, one of the, my, the the countries that makes my heart bleed to kingdom come is is Congo. We have going country gonna called say, the Congo. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Do you know that Sandeep, Between nineteen, just between okay, here's the history. Between the time that King Leopold took over to the time he left, ten million Congolese were killed systematically. Mm-hmm. He ran the country like his 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 farm. Yeah. He chopped off people's hands. You know, we all know the stories. Yeah. And then between. 1964, 60, 60, 60, so when 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 uh, this man took over. Between 1960 and 1992, when he finally left. The, they call him the leopard king of Zaire. When that man left. The, 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 the jury is still out. <laughs> That's how bad it is, Sandeep. The jury's still out because nobody knows how many people that man killed in his regime. Why? Because he was number one. American uh, foreign policy pusher. Mm. But when they no longer needed him, typical like Afghanistan, when they no longer needed him, when Russia was no longer a threat, they dropped him like a hot cake and he literally had to run out of his own country because Mm. that's how bad it had become. There were so many deaths, I don't know the numbers. But between 94 and two thousand and eight, six million Congolese gone. Mm. Oh, by the way, I got the statistic now. Between Leopold and 1964, 20 million Congolese. All right? I've got that statistically. And then 6 million in 2008. We don't even know the number between 2008 and today because they still have people being killed. What's the major issue with Congo? The resources. 70% of the coltan from the world comes from Congo alone. That country should be feeding the whole Africa. It is not. The UN yeah. have been stationed in, in in Congo since 1963. That's how bad it is, brother.
2: Doing what? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> to this day. I Nothing. Don't know, I
1: don't know what they're doing because I'm in joke of the center. Yeah. So so now that's just one country. But I can give you three, four, five African countries with a very similar story. So yeah. you begin to realize that there's something inherently messed up. Now, I know people say we need to take responsibility because we govern these countries. We we're given independence and we govern these countries. And yes, I'll admit, yes, when white people came to Africa, they didn't come inland because they died from disease, right? Yeah. That's a fact. So, so yeah. they had to use Africans to go capture slaves and bring them in. So that part, I agree. We yeah. take responsibility for that. But there was a deliberate, much bigger, super-arcing uh, strategy at play. And that super arching strategy was find a way to get these people miseducated and misidentified so that they lose who they are. Because once they forget who they are, then they'll be in limbo. And that's where we've been all these times. So the second Renaissance, essentially, uh, Sandeep, is... Let's reawaken. Because the Renaissance is basically a reawakening, you know what I mean? Like an improvement, a rapid improvement of our mental faculties in terms of art, in terms of, you know, science, in terms of knowledge, whatever. So we're saying we are reawakening Africa. That reawakening is coming. But we must first write the history. We must go back and correct. Rectify the the wrong
0: information.
1: That mess is what is continuing to manifest what we're seeing. And for as long as, and this is the part, because a lot of people tell me, we don't need to dwell in the past. Let's move to the future. But I always tell them when a doctor is treating somebody, what's the first thing they do? They diagnose. <laughs> yeah. You have to find out what exactly is the problem. You and can't if your reports, saying,
0: your records are wrong, you're going to have a misdiagnosis. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And then you'll be treating the wrong problem. Yeah. So we have to get to the heart we have to get to the core of the issue, and the core of the issue is what I just identified. For me, and I, people disagree with me, but for me, it's religion. Why do I pick religion out of all the five? And by the way, for those who are listening, if they're still listening up to now,
0: no, they do. They do, one, they do the, all three nice. of, them.
1: So at, <laughs> nice of them. So at number five, we have. Um, Poor governance. At number four, we have weak institutions. At number three, we have geography, lengthy explanation. At number two, we have culture. But at number one, as far as I'm concerned, is religion. Why religion? Because for me, religion deals with the most powerful, potent part of the human being, their mind. And so everything about transformation starts here. And that's why those who are smart, those who are clever, realize that the best way to rule people indefinitely without lifting a weapon is to use the power to control the mind yeah change a man's thinking uh, and you have him for life <laughs> you know it's yeah. that bad it's that crazy yeah.
0: just, just no it's absolutely true because i might not be as severely affected by the messaging but it is there like the subconscious way of thinking that oh you know because i yeah. studied in the uk i studied in the us and there was this feeling of i'm not as good as you i am not equal and it's not that i was um brainwashed in yeah. in a in a, in a yeah. missionary or i was uh, taken you know I was you taken know, as a slave, or yeah. any of that extreme. I lived is a quite a respectful, um, in a respectful part of the city, to a parents who brought me up to a good life, and I had it all. Life. It's not like I was wanting, but still, I had this insecurity about my 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 Indianness. I'm not whether it's the yeah. way I speak, whether it's the accent, whether it's the food. I was not made. And this is not blaming a, a white man or a white woman. It's the messaging that was passed on, and if. With all the uh, tools to education, if I still felt like that, I can only imagine what people who don't have access to as many resources I did have access to can feel like, right? Yeah. Or feel so demeaned, feel so. You know,
1: I'm yeah. telling you, Sandeep, it's even the jokes, it's the jokes, it's the memes, you know, it's the comics, it's the comments, you know. People don't realize that it's it's a whole holistic onslaught assault, yeah, yeah, design. Yeah. So that's the word, to, to attack the identity of an individual and then stereotype them. Because people think I'm kidding about this. But if you go and look at what basically brought about the manifestation of Jim Crow, if you go into America, you will see that in the 1880s, after the Emancipation Declaration, I keep getting it wrong, but I know the Emancipation thing, you know, with uh, Lincoln when he freed all the slaves. Within 25 years, there was a distinct middle-class black community very successful yeah now what happened is the remember the whites were disenfranchised because labor was their major component of success in the south so deep poverty set into the south and what that did is it raised a lot of resentment because you remember they lost the confederate states lost yeah so obviously you know then The union imposed whatever on them. So that in itself left a very bitter populace. And then add to that the insult that these slaves that they owned had now been empowered and were working to empower themselves. So communities Mm. like Rosewood, Tulsa, whatever, started to rise up, which were very successful, with a successful middle class. So what they did in the 1880s, that's about maybe 13, 15 years after the Klan was born, but in the eighteen eighties, they began a deliberate campaign, very true. Check your history books to dis to to, to speak badly about black people. The, 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 the nigger caricature was born in yeah. that era. The brute, the coon, you know, the piccaninny, the, these terminologies with very derogatory meaning. Yeah. This is the only time I'm going to. Use a very bad expletive, but let me use it for illustration purposes. The idea of a, here it comes, motherfucker. Yeah. Now, now just think about that. Mm. Now these are terminologies that were used by these white people to describe these black people. So the brute, for example, became a very strong imagery uh, and they did movies like The Klansman. The book The Klansman, for me, is single-handedly the greatest uh, tool that was used to reinforce what I'm telling you. So yeah. by the time, 15 years down the line, you know what happens in 1905? People are freaked out. I mean, any they hear anything about black people, it's like, ah! You know, mobs would get up and they started lynching people. You know this very well. The lynching thing came as a result of reacting to false accusations and stories of black people. And they started to to push that across and say, see what we do to niggers who don't know their place, you know. And then, of course, Mm. couple that, sorry to use all these terminologies. No, I think you're doing it not to call...
0: You're calling attention to the tools that they use, what they called African savages. These are the other terms they used. In within their country, within Thank their, you. yeah, yeah,
1: hmm. yes. And so by 1905, the churches had further pushed that narrative. It's so sad to admit, but the churches, you had what I'm going to term as prejudiced, racist scholars, and one of the most common ones, which was used, was the very heretical teaching that God cursed black people. It's taken out of the Bible from the book of Genesis, chapter nine, verse 25, 26, 27, somewhere there. The story of Noah, he wakes up from being drunk and he curses Ham and they say Ham is the father of the black nation. So the curse of Ham came upon black people. That's been scholarly proven wrong, but that doesn't matter because in 1905, people believed it and then they picked Verses they cherry pick, you know, the Bible, how it is. So you can cherry pick scriptures to push your narrative. So one of the famous ones, slaves obey your masters, you know, stuff, which is so cherry pick, because if you read the whole context, you realize, oh my God, that is not what they meant, but it doesn't matter anyway, because that's what the Bible says. So they even had something called the slave Bible. So so you see, they did that. So by the time this Woodrow Wilson guy comes into office in, in 1913, we're, we're done as black people because he now officially puts um, Jim Crow into play. So you realize mm-hmm. that it's this process mm-hmm. of mind, you know. So so this process started from 1880 to 1913. That's a long time, eh? That's Not like 20 so, 33 years. years. 33 30 30 years. years. The whole yeah. entire generation. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. An entire generation are taught that. Then now let's go from 1930 to when. The civil rights movement yeah. really starts to take off, 1955. Yeah. How many years is that? That's a long time. There was a time in 1925, Sandeep, where six, one million Klansmen, one million Klansmen in 1925 marched down Washington. One million Klansmen. That's That's, they say that at that time, one in, six, yeah, one in six Americans were a member of the Klan were members of the clan registered members of the clan the Ku Klux Klan. I keep getting that name wrong. Yeah
0: yeah no no that's just
1: imagine that t-
0: terrifying <laughs>
1: it's to be, terrifying so yeah. so so but you can imagine so in 1955 after the famous case of Emmett Tippet or whatever his name was, M.L. Tippet or M.L. something was a young kid that was brutalized and killed and thrown in a pond. And then the mother and the family got him and then they did an open casket. It was such a horrifying thing. And Jet Magazine ran it. They showed the whole Chicago. Everybody saw the brutality of what happened in Mississippi. And that in itself. No, I think that was Alabama, Alabama yeah it was alabama i don't mm-hmm. if it was mississippi or alabama but i can't remember but i think it's montgomery you know the whole yeah. place where the whole thing started the whole bus boycotts yeah. but basically the civil rights movement really took off with that event when that yeah. little young boy 14 year old was killed for dog whistling a white woman and he was killed because he came from the city into the rural area and he didn't know that in in, in deep in the deep south you know blacks over there behave differently. And so when he did that, he was a young boy, he was only 14, he was brutally murdered. And that began, that was the, the signifying moment of beginning the civil rights movement. Now look at how religion played a role. Let me go further and uh, you edit this because if it takes too long, just edit it. But here's yeah. where it gets even more interesting, uh, Sunday. From 1955 to 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. and that whole group adopted the non strategy, right? Yeah. To fight against these horrific, you know, barbaric mm-hmm. white people.
2: Yeah,
1: it wasn't all of them, but it wasn't was a all good of them. chunk of them. Yeah, and absolutely. This strategy seemed not to work because they killed everyone. That really mattered. They they killed JFK. Mm -hmm. When JFK, now there were many others they killed, but I'm just going to talk about some very significant leaders. When they killed JFK, that had a really big blow on on, on, on the black people because they really believed this guy was in the right direction. You can listen to his speech Mm in 1963. Mm -hmm. He makes a very, I think, 64 June, he does a television address. He says some major things about the rights of people. Yeah. And then in uh, 1965, you know very well, Malcolm X was shot dead and killed. Yeah. Uh, the reason Malcolm X and the nation was born is because a whole sect of individuals felt that Martin Luther King's strategy wasn't working. Mm. You say we should use nonviolence, but these people are repeatedly using violence on us. Yeah. And so it reached a point where they were done. So they were starting to rebel and go the Nation of Islam way because they felt Nation of Islam were being real. That's how how Christianity got labeled as a white man's religion. Jesus, your white Jesus hasn't helped you. Look at these people you're embracing. The oppressors think that's where the whole thing comes even up to now. And then in 1968, two very terrifying events happened. Martin Luther King Jr. got shot dead and killed. And then Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, Robert Kennedy yeah. Uh got shot and killed. And and this just put the final nail on the coffin. Because after that, even the student nonviolence coordinating committee, Snoke, and all these movements that had been trying to adopt the nonviolence strategy of Mahatma Gandhi just called it quits. They went armed. That's why you see the um, what are they called? The Black Panthers, the yeah. Nation of Islam. They became very militant because they said. Look, all these leaders who said they were not gonna use violence, where are they today? Yeah. They're, dead. They're dead. Where are all the local people? They're still killing them. Mm-hmm. How many blacks are being locked up? There are many. How, you know, so the whole yeah. thing wasn't, and then of course, Muhammad Ali refused to go fight Vietnamese. And you know, it just became a very, 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 very tough time. And you see religion in the center of all that. And that's what really you know, hurts my heart because even if you come home, let's come home right here in Africa, and you go all the way down south to South Africa, I Mm. can tell you, most people don't know this, but the Dutch Reformed Church, I always say this. Now, I know they repented for this. You know, They did a whole thing in 19, whatever year that was, 1985 or 86, when it was just no longer politically correct to do it. So they came out and said, no, we don't support. But I can tell you, (laughs) that if you go back 40 years ago, they were at the forefront. The Dutch Reformed Church was at the forefront of discouraging miscegenation. They had literally doctrine in their books saying mm-hmm. miscegenation of races is sin. They had doctrine in their books that say black people are evil. Yeah. They are cursed. And so whites must separate from mm. blacks. And so wh- when you also factor mm. in that the Boers had undergone a lot of mistreatment under the, the, the British in yeah. the 1890s, nineteen hundred, I mean, concentration camps were rife, in, in South Africa at that time, as yeah, the British were.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's after the war. And, and then when war, the was, yeah.
1: when that, you know what I mean? So, you know, even Mahat, Mahatma Gandhi comes from that background. Yeah. So, when, when the whole thing opened up, and now everybody started trying to get the piece of the pie, starting to get their life going. What happened is the black people, the French who, you know, became South Africans, Haganats especially, the British who decided to remain, were doing better than the Afrikaners, the Boers. Yeah. So the Boers were very bitter about this. There was a social imbalance. Yeah. And who was the people to pick on? the, the africans yeah yeah yes. so they d- yeah. so the, so so the dutch reformed church and the national party began to formulate information around pushing for the group areas act let us take back our position as Afrikaners. let's take our place mm-hmm. and they used religion powerfully do you see how evil these people are
0: and the tool seems to be, it seems to be a common tool which is being used by evil people. And, the, yeah. and it seems yeah. that color, nationality, culture, none of that matters because it's there in every race has done it. And sadly, more towards... In fact,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm happy, Sundeep, you've brought that up. Let me use an example now of Islam. Yeah. And I'm going to use history, you yeah. see, because mm-hmm. you can't argue with history. I'm not going to recount any of my feelings. I'm going to recount history. Yeah. Cuz a lot of people tell me, "No, nah, but Islam is a, is 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 a religion of peace." Mm. I think it is. I mm. think it is. In all honesty, I think it is. But you see, that doesn't change the fact that it's got people in it just like Christianity who do their own thing. Yeah. So let's go with uh, Islam now mm-hmm. for a moment. And I'm going to use Africa and I'm going to use the eastern coast, mm-hmm. what we call the Indian Ocean coast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We did have something called the trans-Arabic slave trade here in Africa. Yeah. And the trans-Arabic slave trade did just as much harm in terms of transporting people from Africa into the Arabian Peninsula and even all the way up to the Indian subcontinent mm-hmm. as much as it did, the, the, the trans-Atlantic slave trade did. Yeah. Same numbers. Conservatively, 20 to 30 million on each side.
0: Whoa.
1: Unrecorded, people are saying 120 to 150 million in total. My God. Scary number, brother. Yeah. Now, Mm -hmm. here's where it gets interesting. When Arab slave traders came into Africa, they came in the name of Islam. Okay? Mm -hmm. But they captured Africans, forced, of course, Islam on them, just Mm -hmm. like the Christians. (laughs) We can't run away from that. Yeah. And then got all these people back to the slave coasts of East Africa. So you yeah. find that uh, from basically Zanzibar all the way up to Lamu on the eastern coast of Tanzania uh, Tanzania and Kenya, you see a lot of slave fortresses. Mm. You come into the mainland of Africa, right up into Zambia, you're going to find slave fortresses that were used to capture slaves, keep them bound, and then carry them on, on chains all the way up to the coast. Yeah. Now, a lot of Arabs settled and Indians, by the way, settled in Zanzibar. Um, If you've heard of Zanzibar, it's a a coastal place next to Tanzania.
2: It's a trading hub. And when they settled,
1: yeah, 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 a trading hub. Very, very lovely place. So when they settled there, very ancient, very historical place. You see lots of old buildings, including the fortresses I'm talking about.
2: So
1: So when they settled there, very quickly the Arabs started exercising uh this one i don't i don't i don't know if you can even call it white supremacy but let's just say supremacy
0: supremacy Yeah. they yeah.
1: exercised supremacy over the local people yeah and this really carried on and this is both the arabs and indian uh community yeah they they carried themselves in a superior way to the africans And we had a situation where, as usual, there were intermarriages, whether they were legitimate or illegitimate is immaterial, but lots of, uh, I'll use the term half-castes. Yeah. Okay, lots of half-castes were born, you know, half Arab, Mm -hmm. half Black, or half Indian, half Black. Yeah. And this group of people, they they were called Shirazis, by the way. Real, real story. This group of people, together with the blacks, felt very disenfranchised. Mm. Economically, all the opportunities went to the Arabs Mm. and the Indians. Indians. So this situation, my brother, just culminated in a horrible, horrible event, which you hardly hear in your history books. I put it in my book on purpose. It it culminated in in a massacre of unnamed proportions. Here's what happened. In 1961, January 12th, it's even called Revolution Day. So you can go check. Just go to Tanzania, You know, Google Tanzania, check their holidays. The first holiday that appears there is called Revolution Day. In Swahili, they call it uh, Mapinduzi. Mm-hmm. So it's revolution. You know what happened on that day, my brother? I won't go into details, but here's what happened. The black people had had it. Mm-hmm. So a revolt began triggered by some Ugandan guy called Okello, And from nowhere, Africans arose in their thousands. This is so sad. There's video footage of what I'm telling you. And they went and dragged all Arabs and Indian people, men, women, children, carried them in convoys to the center of the island and massacred them. In seven days, uh, Sandeep, we had, the, nobody ever wants to give the real figures, but somewhere between 4,000 to 20,000 people were systematically butchered.
0: By the African Just locals. imagine.
1: Yeah. Yes, by the Africans. Yes, real. And it didn't just end in Zanzibar. It spilled over into the main coast city. Mm. Of that time, it was called Tanganyika and we had the same situation again groups of africans were going capturing arabs dragging them out of their shops and killing them yeah now remember these were mm. muslims yeah so muslims mm. killing other mm. muslims yeah my story is not made up you can go there is footage from the reuters uh, british bbc of that era they captured some of these events yeah. but the most telling it's crazy. That's why I remember that. I said, oh my God, I have to tell you this for your listeners. Yeah. But the, the scariest, there was, an, a, a, there was a crew an Italian crew that were doing some crazy movies back in that day. I keep forgetting their names. But they were doing these crazy movies about the world and being mad. And you know, they were Italian, so they were just mad, daredevil guys, right? They would yeah. go right in the middle of the whole thing and film, right? Yeah. This was like in the 60s. You know, if you remember Cannibal Holocaust, that whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. that group. They were crazy, crazy in the 60s and 70s. So they were filming these things, and this, this crew flew a helicopter into Zanzibar and flew around the entire country, capturing people being executed. It's okay. there, the footage is there. The footage is there. Oof. Yeah. So this is this is what religion can do. You know, this is what happens when a group of people oppress another group of people mentally. There's always that one day when something.
0: Regardless starts. of culture, or yeah. color, yeah. Correct. No, it's such. A, you know, I think, I think what's amazing is your fight however uphill it seems and i think i really thank you for sharing the various examples because what tends to happen as you said it ends up being or people might think oh, it's black versus white or it's a hindu versus muslim or christian versus um, or a subsect of christianity versus another subsect but i think the examples go to show that it's it's not any one Race or religion, it's just the tool of religion, how misused it is. Correct. While it does have, um, while the teachings can have a spiritual direction which no one is willing to open their eyes to. But I think it's just uh, amazingly heavy and also disheartening to hear some of these stories. But I think it's so important that you've shared them. And thank you yeah. so much for taking the time to share all this and for the work you're doing. And I really hope that there is, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. And for people who want to hear yeah, or right. read your book, can you tell me where they can find it? The name of the book, so I can put it down and they can hear it and go read the book.
1: Absolutely, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the link uh, for mm-hmm. the for the for Amazon. It's on Amazon. And, okay, uh, it's in all in three formats so mm-hmm. far. We're working on the fourth one, which is the audio And I, When you said audio, I said oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm excited. And, <laughs> and the name like of the book audio. is uh, what is it called, Reverend Walter?
1: The f- major reasons Africa is poor five major okay. reasons Africa is poor so it's name and of course reasons. the subtitle is a deeply a deeply retrospective analysis of the causative factors and what we can do to overcome them so the the, the whole idea behind naming the poverty of Africa religion whatever isn't about just gloating and ending at that and blaming someone but it's about then moving to the solutions so for which i'm doing a new book but i do mention them and in closing your podcast i think just to bring some fresh air let me just highlight the five the seven keys we'll have to get as africans yeah. to overcome yes and i'll be very quick with this now i think so this is applicable even to people in india because
0: it's not isolated to one nation even though there might be undertones you know I mean, which huh? are i mean yeah.
1: I've, I've done Absolutely. I've done so much studies, Sandeep, on India, because you see, you know, and again, I, want, I don't want to get kind of divert yeah. and go in a different direction, but, but it's so interesting when you study the Indian subcontinent yeah. and the issues you guys went through, you know, right up into 1948, Lord, Lord Mountbatten or whatever his name was, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, Pakistan, the formation of that state,
2: yeah. you know, with Bangladesh. Hindu and, yeah. and,
1: and, and now the other day the other day i come across another uh person like you and he's doing this video on mahatma gandhi i'm like oh! you know it was it was so painful because you know you have this image of mahatma gandhi that's so different and then this guy just comes and rips him to shreds like jesus that's just heavy heavy and and i know this guy because he's he's been He's very vocal. I mean, I've literally copied him and put him on my wall when he goes on with the, about the British. But I just didn't know how much it goes into, mm-hmm. you know, ripping apart some of the images that we have of some of these people. So you realize that history is very interesting. And mm-hmm. and the Indian subcontinent is so interesting for me because we see very similar stories. Yeah. We see how the British booped, how mm-hmm. the British messed people up. The whole issue of Pakistan is very sad, yeah. to say the least. Because yeah. these you're essentially the same people. Yeah. They're essentially the same people. Yeah. It's just yeah. religion. Yeah. not just split you, and and, and it's so unfortunate mm-hmm. that that could happen. But there you are. There I mean, are. and 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 I think it all falls squarely on the British. So anyway, number one.
0: Number one. The seven keys. Let's <laughs> let's let's hear it, Reverend Walter.
1: So number one, take responsibility. It's nice to blame white people. Okay. It's nice to blame corrupt leaders. It's nice to blame whatever you want to blame. But the truth is, blame disempowers. Yeah. And that's that's one thing people must understand. Blame disempowers. Blame shifts power because responsibility is the ability to respond. You see? So we respond to ability, hence responsibility. Now, when we choose to blame someone else, what we're doing is we're shirking our responsibility. We're passing it on to someone else. And yes, these white people did horrible things. Yes, these colonizers, whatever. But we must take responsibility. We played a role. We played a role. We, as Africans, through my ancestors, accepted these white people. We, as Africans, through my ancestors, sold my brothers and sisters into slavery. We, as Africans, through my forefathers, chose to misuse the resources that were left by these colonizers. We, through my presidents and through my leaders, got us to where we are. You see, that's collective. And I can't run away from that because their blood courses through my blood. They have a father's status in this nation. So by virtue of that father connection, I am just as guilty as he is. I don't know if that makes sense. No, but I think the idea of
0: taking up responsibility is a great starting place, right? Because how much can you keep blaming? Because it never ends and the blame can always shift. But when you take responsibility, you are putting that power back in your hands and how much ever you can do, it's still one step in the right direction.
1: Correct. So number one, we must take responsibility and painful as it may be, it doesn't matter what issue it is in life you must take responsibility. So, so Africa, we must take responsibility. Then number two, we must we must raise our standard. Yeah. Okay, so are we happy where we are? Hell no. Mm. <laughs> okay, so, so if we're not happy where we are, then let's raise those standards. Yeah. We can't keep living in mediocrity and excusing this as an African thing, you know, like time in the African time, uh, you, know, you know, ah, this is Africa. Mm, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. here in Africa. Oh, no, no, no. We have to reach a point where as people, we say, hell no, we're not going to continue in this stage. We have mm. to do something about So we're raising the standard. standard. We're raising the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're going to really work on that. I don't care. We don't have roads. We don't have hospitals. I don't care. We're going to make it happen. Yeah. Okay, so let's raise those bars. And then let's not, and by the way, when raising a bar, raise a bar against yourself. I always say that. Yeah. Raise a bar against yourself. Don't look at your neighbor, because if you look at your neighbor, you'll never get anything done. Because there's <laughs> yeah. always somebody better than you. There's always Absolutely. somebody richer yeah. than you. There's always somebody, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's, so let's not go down that route. Let's instead raise the bar against ourselves. What did I achieve last year? Can I beat it? Okay, yeah. great. So what have what have I done? You know, just like that. So let's all raise the bar and go for a higher standard number three this is the heart this is the cracks this is the heart change our beliefs yeah now mm-hmm. you know when i say that people think i'm saying let's drop christianity or whatever no, that's not know what i'm saying i'm saying let's change the misidentity let's yeah. change the miseducation let's mm-hmm. change the messed up programming that is deeply in our subconscious mind that causes us to operate in misalignment because you see when you're not aligned it doesn't matter what you do you will never achieve optimum performance absolutely Absolutely. you know what i mean you just cannot achieve optimum performance you will always operate in gear two for lack of a better word those who understand cars and shift and stick shift so you're always in gear two you're not in gear five you're not cruising You're yeah. Just in two, and that means you're underperforming. This mm. thing could go faster, mm. but you're just going at you know 40 kilometers per hour, revving like hell, you know, burning all the gas, but you're not yeah. going anywhere in terms of distance. You're so this is yeah. the problem with beliefs. Beliefs are unwritten mm. commands deep in your subconscious mind, and a lot of Africans have them. Yeah, because they have been inculcated mm. for centuries. So we must break these beliefs, and if it means shattering. Those idols they call the image of Jesus, if it means breaking white supremacy, if it means shattering his religious institutions, heckless do it. Yeah. Now, you see, that's, that's not nice because some people actually say, hey, you're irreverent. The only reason why you're embracing that Christianity of yours is because you live by it. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah. I'm supported by God. I don't live of people, I don't live of Christianity. And that's what people have to understand. This yeah. is about liberating people and helping them find who they are. Yeah. They must find who they mm-hmm. are. All right? So the, but the problem is, we have empires and institutions around Christianity, and these empires must con- continue at all costs. Yeah. If it means fleece the entire population so yeah. that you can sustain these mm-hmm. things, they'll do it. That's they will the change of beliefs.
0: You need to change very that. Yeah.
1: Tardy, very touchy. Mm-hmm. Number four, change our strategy. Look, Sandeep, 1963, May 1st. 40 of the greatest forefathers of our modern era met in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia Mm -hmm. to to propound on Mm -hmm. what became the organization of Africa unity. Mm -hmm. We were going to turn Africa into Mm -hmm. a United States of Africa. We were going to bring all these countries together and become a superpower and be counted and Mm -hmm. sit at the proverbial table. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so here we are. 59 <laughs> years later, my brother <laughs> 59 years later I don't know I, I, it's even sad I don't know if we are worse or better. I, I'm still I'm still trying to figure that out mm. but we're certainly nowhere near what we wanted <laughs> yeah what yeah. our forefathers wanted. We're nowhere near that. So what we're saying is I think there's a mess a problem with the strategy so it has to change. Because yeah. we've been doing this for 59 mm-hmm. years and we're not going anyway. So I think it's time we change the strategy. But the problem is, there's a lot of people who make a living off the current strategy. And that's what I always tell people. You see, for as long as you're going to disturb mm-hmm. the means to a living, mm-hmm. see, the people have to understand that the, the, the independence fathers had nothing to lose. Think about your country, India.
2: Yeah.
1: They had nothing to lose. The Jawaharlal Nehru's and whoever, they, had, they, they, they were ready to die. Yeah, You know, they were ready to die. They were ready to face... Not they were ready. They faced the might of the British Empire and they were ready to die. Yeah. Do we have such leaders today?
0: No, for sure. highly questionable. Yeah, Yeah, for sure not. Highly questionable. The caliber of people has definitely um, uh, been got lacking. It's
1: about about survival. Mm -hmm. It's about survival. It's about making a living. So that's number four. eh? So then number five is adopt good governance. You know the story of governance. I don't want to yeah. pull people with governance. Yeah, You know, corporate governance. It's accountable. It's, you know, effective. It's efficient. It's it's inclusive. Yada, 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 yeah. yada. Then, then number six, you know, weak, uh, strengthened institutions. We really need both uh, informal and formal institutions. Now in India, informal institutions are still very strong, just like in Africa. We yeah. have some very strong informal institutions like culture and whatever. But then these formal institutions that level the playing field, you know, your law associations yeah. and your medical whatever and your parliamentary systems and your yeah. governance systems, yeah. these also must be, they must transcend people. They must be beyond the office bearers. Because as well you know what I mean? At all levels, all the way down to the small little village in the middle yeah. of Kathmandu or whatever it is. You know, they must all just be on their own, and they must be able to govern within the confines of that institution, because that's what brings levelness in society. Yeah. That must be strong. Yeah. Because right now in Africa, many places they are non-existent. So what we have are demagogues and rogues who run things. So everything is done through those rogues, and that's what perpetuates injustice that's what perpetuates uh suffering of the masters yeah. and the poor because they mm-hmm. have nowhere to go to mm-hmm. and remember the most powerful institution is justice isn't it yeah. you've got your judges and whatever then you've got your police mm-hmm. who enforce the laws uh that these judges sit on. but the judges sit on a constitution so which means the constitution must be solid, yeah. with solid institutions that rise out of that constitution to ensure mm-hmm. equity, justice, social justice rather, and fair play. So that's number six, and finally number seven: good leadership principles. You know the servant leader model. My brother, I, I believe our first presidents here in Africa were servant leaders. Yeah. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure about the current crop. Yeah, but but.
0: I think you can call them serving leaders, right? They want to serve themselves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yes, serving leaders themselves. Absolutely. Because honestly, honestly, I mean, you study these African countries, it breaks your heart because you just see corruption. The the same story. Mm. And you see people just amassing their own wealth. And so every time what tends to now happen is every time a regime leaves, one of the reasons we see that resistance is because they fear what may become of them yeah. because of retribution. Yeah. You, you get my point? Because mm-hmm. they stole so much, so now how are they going to get away? Because they run they like cowards, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now they want to stay on and use all manner of means to keep themselves in the in the ruling cabal. And that's how we've seen this mess we see today. Yeah. Uh, it's people that are refusing mm-hmm. to, to, to operate on a servant leadership model. Those are the seven keys, my brother.
0: You know, it's it's amazing when you hear it. It's it's such a obvious thing that you want to see from humanity, which is clearly absent. But I really hope that, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a powerful voice by any means, but I really hope that there's at least one, if not all seven, at least we can start with one key principle, as you mentioned out of the seven. If we can start with one, I think, you know, if... If we can see that in our lifetime, I think it's a start. (laughs) But I'd like to thank you so much, Reverend Walter. Um, It's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing the dedication you have for change and the vision you have for a better future for your country and the nation and the continent. Um, So I think on behalf of everyone listening, um, I'd really like to salute the work you're doing and to thank you, uh, Reverend Walter Mumbazi for being on the podcast and this episode and sharing your story and your love for your country and a better future for your country on this episode of the Soapira show. So appreciate it. And I thank you indeed
1: uh sandeep very very grateful for this chance it's always good to talk to somebody from a completely different part of the world
2: yeah
1: and 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 realize that you know you have these common areas that you share yeah. and uh, to all the listeners on the show thank you so much please go to my my platforms i'll share them to sandeep and they will probably be on the comment section or whatever it is yes. and you'll be able to see them there and i do have groups where we're doing coaching and mentoring and this mainly centered around business and life coaching with an ideal to get people to self-discovery because i believe that's where the problem remember miseducation and misidentity. Yes. for me that's that's the core that's the heart so it doesn't yep. just, it's not about just africa but it's about individuals as well they Brilliant. really need to know who they are so that at through that they can get to where they're supposed to be. And so for me, my mission is very simple, to teach the kingdom. So what I'm teaching is actually the kingdom of God, but it's just, it sounds a bit different from what people understand yeah. when they hear Christians go on about it.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant, uh, Reverend. Thank you so much and um, appreciate it. Indeed. And I will send everyone who's interested your way. Uh, thank you again.
1: Okay, cheerio. Thanks, Asandeepa. Thank you so much. Thank you.